Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Good morning. It is Friday the 13th. It is seven minutes after nine, and you're listening to the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed former federal prosecutor Robert Hur as special counsel to investigate the discovery of classified government documents at the private home and office of Joe Biden. Hur is authorized to investigate whether any person or entity violated the law in connection with the matter. Garland's announcement cited extraordinary circumstances. All right. So before we get into this, why don't we start this award-winning program today by playing a little audio of Merrick Garland uh, talking about this appointment of a special counsel to investigate Biden's classified documents. Oh, we don't have those yet. Okay. All right. Well, then I guess we'll just do the show this way. Okay. Uh, so obviously they have now decided they once again are going to pass the buck on any responsibility at the Department of Justice. And basically what the Department of Justice is admitting by keep continuing to appoint these special investigators, prosecutors, what it, counsels, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. is we are totally unfair. You can't trust us at all. We can't administer any form of real justice. And that is why every single time there's anything remotely political, they appoint another person. But every person is political, Casey. Mm-hmm. Every person has some political bias or leaning or whatever i th- this guy happens to be a republican the guy in trump's case happens to be a democrat <laughs> everybody knows who these people are why is it's garland just admitting i cannot be trusted to mm-hmm. levy in, 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 impartial justice yeah i mean garland's in this really poor position he has to do something he can't just let it go even though i'm sure he desperately wants to but presidents and vice presidents are required by law to return government records to the national records and archives administration when they leave her said in a statement i will conduct the assigned investigation with fair impartial and dispassionate judgment all right so we now have merrick garland talking about his appointment of the special counsel. I will ensure that Mr. Herr receives all the resources he needs to conduct his work. As I have said before, I strongly believe that the normal processes of this department can handle all investigations with integrity. But under the regulations, the extraordinary circumstances here require the appointment of a special counsel for this matter. This appointment underscores for the public the department's commitment to both independence and accountability in particularly sensitive matters and to making decisions indisputably guided only by the facts and the law. I am confident that Mr. Herr will carry out his responsibility in an even-handed and urgent manner and in accordance with the highest traditions of this department. Thank you all. Uh, so what? So why do we even have a Department of Justice, right? Because <laughs> it just seems like almost every single time there must be someone that doesn't work at the Department of Justice to be the person 
who administers the justice. Mm-hmm. Like, what What are we doing here? Why can Merrick Garland not do his job? What are we paying all this money for that the attorney general cannot, inside of his office, properly adjudicate these cases? And now, at this point, it's lawyers who are going to be selecting the next president, depending on how this investigation goes and how that investigation goes. It's investigation-a-thon. Her worked in the DOJ's criminal division investigating counterterrorism, corporate fraud, and other matters. And now he's tasked with the job of investigating the president. All right, so Corinne Jean-Pierre had herself another very fabulous little uh, news conference yesterday. Mm -hmm. And again, I would feel bad for her, except she deserves everything she gets because she is wholly horrific, just like Biden is wholly horrific. And at the press conference yesterday, Casey, you'll you'll feel much better now. The documents, she said, mm-hmm. were in the garage, mm-hmm. were just inadvertently misplaced. Take a listen. He takes classified information and materials seriously. And as we have said, we have cooperated from the moment we informed the archives that a small number of documents were found, and we will continue to cooperate. We have cooperated closely with the Justice Department throughout its review, and we will continue that cooperation with the special counsel. We are confident that a thorough review will show that these documents were inadvertently misplaced, and the president and his lawyers acted promptly upon discovering of this mistake. How can Biden act promptly? He didn't know they were there, right? He was surprised they were found. That's what we were told just 24 hours ago. Inadvertently misplaced for six to 10 years. He takes them so seriously that he puts them in the garage. What, next to his beer fridge, his meat freezer? And somebody, I don't know who was the original poster of this, but it's really great. There is a video out there of Biden backing this car into mm-hmm. his garage. Mm-hmm. And if you freeze the shot, yeah. you can actually see what the garage inside looks like. And there are just boxes <laughs> and papers. And then there's a lamp with a crooked lampshade. I'm sure there's a can of WD-40 in there. You made a great point. Yeah. Uh, as you... Uh, so often do on this radio program about the whole garage thing, which is apparently there's some interview with mm-hmm. Biden and Jay Leno. Well, you know, Jay Leno is really into classic cars yeah, right. and he does these interviews with owners of classic cars and they go right around and they talk about the car. It's a 1967 Corvette Stingray, Hunter Green with chocolate brown leather interior. It's a convertible. It's, it's a really awesome looking convertible uh, Corvette. But he said during this interview with Jay Leno that it was only the third time in seven years that he had been able to drive the car. Now that was in 2016. So he wasn't driving the car himself, but if you have a classic car, right? you know you got to start it up every now and then, make sure it's in good running order. So was somebody else going to that garage taking care of that classic car that was sitting next to those classified documents? And wasn't this the house that Biden did his campaign from in the basement? So you know he had people coming and going, talking about the campaign throughout the entire time he was running for president. Were people walking by these boxes 
with classified documents in them. So I thought there was an interesting take on this. Monica Crowley, I think she's with Newsmax now. She was with Fox News for a long time. She worked for the Treasury Department. She's She's been around. She even worked for Nixon. I didn't realize this before I started looking it up later in Nixon's life. She worked for him at one point. She had a pretty interesting take on this. And she said what I think a lot of us have been talking, and we talked about this yesterday, mm-hmm. this could be what Democrats use to keep Biden from running. So many roads when it comes to the Biden crime family go through Beijing and also Kiev. So we, we have to see what these documents uh, relate to and also who and what, in, including foreign adversaries, may have had access to these documents. That's number one. Um, and the compromise aspect. I mean, you have a president who may, in fact, have threatened our national security uh, by his loose and, and carelessness uh, and also being compromised, which is and, and very well could be influencing his his decision-making as president. So that's number one. Um, I think number two, too, you mentioned, Bianca, the 2024 race. There are reports that he's getting ready to announce his candidacy. I think he is the only person on the face of the earth who believes that the Democrats will nominate him again in 24. So this could very well be, and this is the reason we're hearing this now after the midterms, this could be a lever that the Democrats are going to use to remove him from the race. So they're going to go after both Trump and they're going to go after Biden unclassified uh, documents mishandling, and they're going to say neither one should be the nominee for president of the United States. But watch on the Democratic side, because it could very well be the move to get him out of the way. A recent CNBC survey on December 22nd said that 57 percent of Democrats don't think that Biden should run in 24. And why is this all coming out? Is this preemptive? If it is preemptive, this allows Biden to control the narrative and control the message, or at least try, because a best defense is a good offense. All right. When we come back, Kevin McCarthy, he uh, laid out the things the Republicans in the House have done the past five days. Almost mm-hmm. none of them stand a chance of becoming law, which is why they did them. Mm-hmm. But uh, when we come back, we'll lay out all the things the Republicans did that won't amount to anything. When we come back. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning, 19 minutes after nine. This is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And Speaker Kevin McCarthy amplified his pledge to keep a pair of high-profile Democrats, Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, from joining powerful House Intelligence Committees in Congress. Both Schiff and Swalwell played roles in the impeachments of President Trump. And McCarthy argued that Schiff openly lied about the Russian election interference and uh, disturbing briefing he received from the FBI on Swalwell. McCarthy is also open to expunging Trump's impeachments. And McCarthy won't call for George Santos to resign. But uh, he's had a lot on his mind for the past couple of days as they have begun. And McCarthy recaps what House Republicans did the last five days. I didn't know you could expunge an impeachment. I didn't know that was like a like a D the same thing like you could do with the DUI or whatever else. That Take it could, off the record. I did not even know that was a thing. So I guess if Trump applies for a job. And that gets expunged. Mm-hmm. It won't be on his record and no one will ever know. And he might get the position that he uh, he desires. How great is that? OK, so here is Kevin McCarthy laying out all the things that the House Republicans have done in the first five days. In the last five days, we passed a rules package 
that no longer the power rests with a few, but to the voices of America of who they elect. We repealed and stripped the funding for 87,000 IRS agents. Government should be here to help you, not to go after you. Be able to protect the unborn. We just protected the Strategic Petroleum Reserve where the president can no longer deplete it and sell our oil to China. And we opened the House back up for the public, something the public has not been able to be a part of for the last couple of years. That's just the first five days, and we're just getting started. Okay. But none of that stuff is going to... Now, the rule stuff, fine. It will theoretically give you an opportunity to make better law going forward. Okay, all of that is fine. But in terms of the actual things they've passed, mm-hmm. and Republicans do this all the time, when they have no opportunity to actually pass the stuff in terms of it becoming a law, well, then they're repealing the IRS. They're repealing the income tax. They're defunding the 87,000 agents. Let's see what they do here in a whatever it is, a couple weeks or whenever it is, when the debt ceiling mm. has to be reestablished. Because mm-hmm. that's when you're going to find out how wed the Republicans are to actual conservatism and what they actually are going to make priorities. Okay, so the federal government is really close to the debt ceiling, what they're allowed to borrow, meaning, you know, they're going to fight over this. It's it's approaching fast. So this will be the defining moment, the big test for the House. And it's being estimated by Peter G. Patterson Foundation that the debt ceiling is currently at $31.39 trillion. Well, $31.4 trillion is the borrowing limit. So we are right there. But they're also hoping that in April, a whole lot of money is going to start rolling in because that's when our taxes are due. So the que- the question becomes, because you always hear people say, well, the debt, uh, debt ceiling limit should be a no-brainer because we have to pay our bills. Well, if the politicians always know that no matter what they do, the credit card will forever be... The Tur- limit just on, keeps going r- up. Right. Then why would they ever get spending under control? This is the equivalent of forcing someone to go to rehab. You got to choke them off. And when you, if you're a person with a serious, whether it's substance abuse, you know, alcohol, whatever it is, and they check you into rehab, man, you feel pain for the first, you know, whatever, several days you're there, week, whatever, because you're getting the poison out of your system. And in the case of the federal government, we got to send these people to rehab and we got to make them feel some pain and we got to get the poison out of their system. And the Republicans in the House have the opportunity to do this with this debt ceiling vote and get a lot of concessions in order to raise the debt ceiling. Yes, but it also has to pass the Senate. And then there's Biden who could just veto it. And here he is being super creepy and letting you know they've got no chance. Well, let me be very clear. If any of these bills make it to my desk, I will veto them. Why does he do that? I don't know. Isn't that just so (laughs) weird? (laughs) Yeah. In the meantime, airfare up 28%, 28%, utilities are up 16%, groceries are up 11%, pet products are up 10%. So we're all feeling it. 
they need to feel it. All right. Uh, when we come back, Casey, Yeah. there are two things locally we have to get to. Number one, the Club for Growth, uh, because they love... Jim Banks, mm-hmm. Kevin McCarthy's best friend. You remember Jim Banks? He the supposed conservative who voted for Kevin McCarthy 15 consecutive times without getting any concessions. Club for Growth loves Jim Banks, mm-hmm. and they are taking a preemptive shot at Mitch Daniels, yeah. which I'm totally here for all that. And then the Indiana House Republicans mm-hmm. unveiled their legislative priorities, yep. and we'll see where property taxes were on their list of legislative priorities oh (laughs) will we want to guess where they're at will we all right that's on the way from 93 wibc good morning life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Good morning, 19 minutes after 9. This is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And Speaker Kevin McCarthy amplified his pledge to keep a pair of high-profile Democrats, Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, from joining powerful House Intelligence Committees in Congress. Both Schiff and Swalwell played roles in the impeachments of President Trump. And McCarthy argued that Schiff openly lied about the Russian election interference and uh, disturbing briefing he received from the FBI on Swalwell. McCarthy is also open to expunging Trump's impeachments. And McCarthy won't call for George Santos to resign. But uh, he's had a lot on his mind for the past couple of days as they have begun. And McCarthy recaps what House Republicans did the last five days. I didn't know you could expunge an impeachment. I didn't know that was like a like a D the same thing like you could do with the DUI or whatever else. That Take it could, off the record. I did not even know that was a thing. So I guess if Trump applies for a job... And that gets expunged. Mm-hmm. It won't be on his record and no one will ever know. And he might get the position that he uh, he desires. How great is that? OK, so here is Kevin McCarthy laying out all the things that the House Republicans have done in the first five days. In the last five days, passed a rules package that no longer the power rests with a few, but to the voices of America of who they elect. We repealed and strip the funding for 87,000 IRS agents. Government should be here to help you, not to go after you. Be able to protect the unborn. We just protected the Strategic Petroleum Reserve where the president can no longer deplete it and sell our oil to China. And we opened the house back up for the public something the public has not been able to be a part of for the last couple of years. That's just the first five days, and we're just getting started. Okay, but none of that stuff is going to... Now, the rule stuff, fine. It will theoretically give you an opportunity to make better law going forward. Okay, all of that is fine. But in terms of the actual things they've passed, mm-hmm. and Republicans do this all the time, when they have no opportunity to actually pass the stuff in terms of it becoming law, well, then they're repealing the IRS. They're repealing the income tax. They're defunding the 87,000 agents. 
Let's see what they do here in a whatever it is, a couple weeks or whatever it is, when the debt ceiling mm. has to be reestablished. Because mm-hmm. that's when you're going to find out how wed the Republicans are to actual conservatism and what they actually are going to make priorities. Okay, so the federal government is really close to the debt ceiling, what they're allowed to borrow, meaning, you know, they're going to fight over this. It's it's approaching fast. So this will be the defining moment, the big test for the House. And it's being estimated by Peter G. Patterson Foundation that the debt ceiling is currently at $31.39 trillion. Well, $31.4 trillion is the borrowing limit. So we are right there. But they're also hoping that in April, a whole lot of money is going to start rolling in because that's when our taxes are due. So the, que- the question becomes, because you always hear people say, well, the debt, uh, debt ceiling limit should be a no-brainer because we have to pay our bills. Well, if the politicians always know that no matter what they do, the credit card will forever be... The Tur- limit just on, keeps going r- up. Right. Then why would they ever get spending under control? This is the equivalent of forcing someone to go to rehab. You got to choke them off. And when you, if you're a person with a serious, whether it's substance abuse, you know, alcohol, whatever it is, and they check you into rehab, man, you feel pain for the first, you know, whatever, several days you're there, week, whatever, because you're getting the poison out of your system. And in the case of the federal government, we got to send these people to rehab and we got to make them feel some pain and we got to get the poison out of their system. And the Republicans in the House have the opportunity to do this with this debt ceiling vote and get a lot of concessions in order to raise the debt ceiling. Yes, but it also has to pass the Senate. And then there's Biden who could just veto it. And here he is being super creepy and letting you know they've got no chance. Well, let me be very clear. If any of these bills make it to my desk, I will veto them. Why does he do that? I don't know. Isn't that just so (laughs) weird? (laughs) Yeah. In the meantime, airfare up 28%, 28%, utilities are up 16%, groceries are up 11%, pet products are up 10%, so we're all feeling it. They need to feel it. All right. Uh, when we come back, Casey, yeah, there are two things locally we have to get to. Number one, the Club for Growth, uh, because they love Jim Banks, mm-hmm. Kevin McCarthy's best friend. You remember Jim Banks? He's the supposed conservative who voted for Kevin McCarthy 15 consecutive times without getting any concessions. Club for Growth loves Jim Banks, mm-hmm. and they are taking a preemptive shot at Mitch Daniels, yeah. which I'm totally here for all that. And then the Indiana House Republicans mm-hmm. unveiled their legislative priorities, yep. and we'll see where property taxes were on their list of legislative priorities oh (laughs) will we want to guess where they're at will we all right that's on the way from 93 wibc good morning whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you
931 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and a national conservative group is trying to stop Mitch Daniels, no relation, campaign for a U.S. Senate before it even begins. This is called Club for Growth Action, and they're going to start airing television ads in Indiana calling Daniels wrong for Senate. I am very excited about the possibility of a Jim Banks versus Mitch Daniels U.S. Senate primary because I want to see these two take the gloves off and just pound each other into the dirt. Because between the two of them, you've got Jim Banks, Mm -hmm. who is a professional Kevin McCarthy cheerleader super fan voting for him 15 times on this radio station, lobbying for Kevin McCarthy. So over the next couple of years, we'll see how Kevin McCarthy uh, repeatedly abuses the the taxpayer once the the, uh, newness of all the deals he cut wears off. And then you've got Mitch Daniels, who forces us every single day to pay higher taxes for uh, Mr. Ursay, who did nothing to earn his team. He inherited it from his super rich father to get a free stadium. We pay higher taxes, so billionaire. What did we say Jim Ursay was worth? Three point nine billion. Three point eight. Yeah, 3.9. yeah. Mitch Daniels said it would be a good idea for poor and middle class people to pay higher taxes every day on their food, mm-hmm. so that uh, Jim Irsay, who's worth three point nine billion, could have a free stadium. So these two mm-hmm. deserve whatever they get, and uh, maybe they'll open some eyes on to the public on who these two people are and their records if they go at each other. So I'm hoping they both get in. I'm here for it. The interesting thing is that Mitch Daniels has not even said that he's running. He's just considering at this point he hasn't announced so if that's all it takes to say to get in the race well heck i'm considering it yeah well club for growth loves um club for growth loves jim banks and i think it's going to be fascinating to hear club for growth uh, and jim banks crisscross the state and explain why they thought uh, being fanboys for kevin mccarthy was the best thing for hoosiers i think that's going to be a very interesting um conversation for them to have However, the one poll that came out, and by the way, Daniels fueled this recently, uh, it was, I think it was like a Lafayette paper or something, mm-hmm. where he said, look, I'm not running for governor, mm-hmm. but I've not ruled out running for Senate. Right. Uh, a former Daniels protege did a poll, I think we talked about it here on this show, which showed if he did get in, at least from a starting point, mm-hmm. he would start with an overwhelming lead, which I don't doubt. I mm-hmm. mean, nobody outside of people who, you know, are hardcore into, you know, talk radio, our listeners and people in Fort Wayne area know who Jim Banks is. So that would make sense that Mitch Daniels, um, especially as they have been able to like the Mitch Daniels legacy is it's almost like a Paul Bunyan type thing where it grows mm-hmm. by the day. And I think it's part of it is an indictment of how horrific Holcomb and the current Republican party is in this state. That you're longing for the old guy? Because Mitch Daniels did all sorts of things that grew government, raised taxes, he tried to raise other taxes that they wouldn't go along with. Mitch Daniels did a whole bunch of things that the reality, now he did do some good things, there's no doubt, there's no doubt Mitch Daniels put Indiana in a better position when he left and when he got here, but that's like saying, I raised my grade from an F to a D. <laughs> I mean, okay, I guess technically you're passing, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be out running around and sticking that on the, on the, uh, on the refrigerator. So the poll that you're talking about was released in December and it was by Bell, Bellwether Research. And in it, they asked about the Senate race with Daniels as a candidate and he got 32%, followed by Banks at 10%. But without Daniels in that scenario at all, 
Banks drops down, and then Attorney General Todd Rokita leads the field with 16%. And then in a super interesting thing, we talked about this yesterday with Abdul, you've got Rokita just mm-hmm. firing shots at Holcomb at 9.15 at night over education. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he's doing that. Again, totally on board with that. Uh, it pains me to say, but on that, I'm totally team Rokita uh, because I would support a uh, rotting potato skin over... <laughs> Eric Holcomb. So uh, very interesting. A lot of moving parts. I know here is the ad that the Club for Growth is running against Mitch Daniels. The man, the myth. I've been riding motorcycles almost a half century. The fabled legend of a freewheeling, big thinking truth teller. But here's the truth. After 50 years of big government, big pharma and big academia, Mitch Daniels forgot how to fight. An old guard Republican clinging to the old ways of the bad old days. Back as budget director, he caved in to big spending Republicans, helping launch one of the largest entitlement programs in a generation, plunging us deep in debt. After being elected governor, my man Mitch got the tax man itch, calling for a 30% income tax hike and raising the sales tax. Now Mitch co-chairs a liberal group that backs a carbon tax and endorsed Biden's tax-raising agenda. Mitch Daniels bragged in Newsweek that he never uses the word conservative to describe himself because he's not, and he is not the right guy for Indiana anymore. Club for Growth Action is responsible for the content of this act. Okay, so I love that because they point out, and we talked about this, we're always ahead of the curve here, Casey, and I'm so glad that ad pointed out things we have said. Republicans are not tax cutters, unless it's like big business crony people who give them money for their campaigns and they'll, 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 there's no end to that. But for the regular people, Republicans in Indiana are not tax cutters. When they capped, air quote, your sales tax, of course, it was a cap where you could easily get around it when school corporations can do referendums whenever they want. And of course, assessments, as we've talked about, have driven property taxes through the roof. When they capped the property taxes, they raised the sales tax. Mm-hmm. There was not less revenue. They just shifted it's the shell game. The way the revenue worked. And and the majority of that revenue then went to teacher pay. Yeah. So the Mitch Daniels greatest tax cutter under the sun, that's bull crap. People in Central Indiana paying higher taxes for Jim Mercy to have a free stadium. So I like this. Let's talk about what was real. Let's talk about the actual legacy of Mitch Daniels. And don't forget, Mitch Daniels gave us Eric Holcomb. Eric Holcomb was some obscure dweeb until Mitch Daniels said he was an up-and-comer. Well, yeah, made him the head of the Indiana Republican Party. Mitch Daniels has to answer for Eric Holcomb. So if you're (laughs) mad about Malik Muhammad, the mask mandates, the business shutdowns, trying to put you in jail for not wearing all the Holcomb stuff, then Mitch Daniels has to answer for that because he was Mitch's guy. Okay, so this ad says Daniels is part of the old guard clinging to old ways of the bad old days. So his opposition is already starting. And this is not in Daniels' wheelhouse. He doesn't like to get down and dirty. And this group already has his number. Yeah, and so this is this is the interesting thing, right? Would Mitch Daniels, who will I think be 75 when the election is held... Does he want to go through this? Because politics has changed dramatically since Mitch Daniels left office 10 years ago. It's it's certainly the primaries are markedly different. And does Mitch Daniels have the strength to go out there and go at people? Now, I will say Jim Banks needs to be held accountable for his repeated votes 
for Kevin McCarthy. He needs to own that, and he needs to be able to put, to put the put the boot on him and and force him to explain it uh, because he's not going to come on here and do that. And most people won't have the cojones to actually press him on that because a lot of people like to feel like they're important or special because they've interviewed some guy who might be a senator. Now, we don't care about that, but he's not going to come here. So Mitch Daniels running really does create an environment that is best for the taxpayers and best for the citizens because we can get Mitch Daniels held accountable. We can start talking about the truth about what's going on in this state in terms of taxation and growth of government. I mean, that ad nailed the HIP program, too. We talk about that HIP program Mm -hmm. all the time, the socialized medicine, which became Obamacare in the second iteration of that, HIP 2.0. I love that ad. That ad said everything we've been saying here. And I really wanted to like Jim Banks, but Jim Banks has made that impossible because he loves himself some Kevin McCarthy. Well, you also mentioned something about Holcomb and Daniels, okay? And there has been talk that Holcomb might possibly run for that Senate seat. So what we have here is the mentor and the young Padawan learner, right? The best thing that could happen to this state is we get Banks and Daniels and Sparts and Holcomb. Get them all in there together because one of them will come out and have to deal with that and that'll be whatever they'll let us down but at least three of them will permanently be put in the political unemployment line for so a while. is this the actual gift that mike braun is giving to uh, indiana it, and it may make me like broad enough that i might have to just suck it up and vote for him i don't know but that could be a real gift that keeps on giving so if you're in the situation where it ends up being holcomb and daniels which way do you go now i know how i would go i'm going to judge him by who has the better bike and just for the record <laughs> Mine is better than both of theirs. Uh, Mitch Daniels has a custom-built Harley-Davidson. Well, isn't isn't that interesting, right? Because Mitch Daniels, <laughs> there's no doubt, Mitch Daniels did at Purdue mm-hmm. a phenomenal job. You well, know this. And that's another thing, though, you have to keep in mind. Because not only do you have people of my generation who remember him being as this fiscally right. conservative person, yes. right? Who, besides the, you know, stadium, did do some things for the state. Daylight saving time. He leased out the toll road. But there's an an entire generation of younger people who know him from Purdue being the president there that even if they're apolitical and not involved, they're still going to recognize that name. I need both of these people to run because I want to see it happen. I want to see the gloves come off. I want to see everybody throwing mud at each other. Let's get it all out on the table and that'll be best for me. And that's really what this is all about is making my radio show easier to do each day. So do you want to talk about the Indiana Republicans priorities now or do you want to take a break and do that coming up? Let's take a break. All right. We've got uh, what the speaker Todd Houston said. He introduced the legislative goals and we're going to get to those coming up from 93 WIBC. Good morning, 946. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And Indiana House Speaker Todd Houston introduced House Republicans' 23 legislative goals. He discussed bills covering the expansion and funding of economic growth in the state, work-based learning, and also health care. So we're going to be focused on these agenda items, and we're excited about our budget opportunities. Oh, budget. Yeah. You mean budget opportunities oppor- to spend yes. other people's money that you didn't earn. Mm-hmm. Reducing health care costs and really providing more flexibility in education space and also addressing energy. Yeah, so I'm looking at this list here. Caitlin Lang tweeted out a photo of the actual paper. And I'm looking, I'm looking, Mm -hmm. I don't... uh 
Casey, I, and I'm pretty good at reading. I got pretty good grades in school and reading math, not so much, but reading, I did pretty well. I don't see anything on here about helping you <laughs> with your property taxes that mm-hmm. are skyrocketing or about to skyrocket for a lot of people. I don't see anything on there. Did I miss it? Nope, I'm looking too. So this is a one sheet. Uh, says serving Hoosiers, accelerating growth, and it's got some bullet points. Uh-huh. Keep, keep our promise to fiscal responsibility. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a forty-three billion dollar budget. We're gonna keep our. Uh, mm-hmm. We're gonna. Keep- Which is expected to grow five percent over the next couple of years. Uh, bullet two: empower students and families. Oh. And bullet three was lower costs, improved services. Okay, no, I don't see anything on there, Rob, about property taxes. I'm sorry. So, isn't it interesting on the um, school? What they listed as empowering students and families, empower mm-hmm. students and families. They do have some decent things on here in terms of, you know, empowering families by expanding the state's top-ranked school choice program. Okay, who knows whether it's actually just top-ranked is all in the eye of the beholder, right? But the point is that's probably a good thing. Their list of priorities in education is nowhere near what Lockdown McGee came out with during his State of the State when he was talking about a public education, teachers union, radical left wish list giveaway. Mm -hmm. Now, these people at the Indiana House are very weak people, and so I'm sure they will very soon be apologizing for having any sort of ideas to the governor. But it is interesting, at least at the starting point, these two outlines from our Democrat Governor Eric Holcomb and the Republican supermajority in the House don't appear to line up on education. No, the House Democrats want to focus on public health problems like maternal and infant mortality, smoking, universal pre-K, investment in public schools, and incentives to offer child care in the workplace. But um, the Kyle Hupford, he released a statement after Holcomb's State of the State address, uh-huh. and he said, Governor Holcomb has made it clear that this is Indiana's time. Oh, our time to what? Exactly. To spend more money? Mm-hmm. Our time to to what? Grow government? He went Indiana's on, time to what? He went on to say, because of nearly two decades of conservative policy and practice, we can make historic investments in law enforcement and public safety, secure Indiana's place in the economy of the future. Now, I want to go back real quick. What was the first one you read? Uh, make historic investments in law enforcement and public safety. Now, that's super interesting because Holcomb mm-hmm. let Malik Muhammad mm-hmm. write part of the police reform bill. And of course, that was before, that was after Malik threatened to seize the governor's mansion on live TV. Uh, that was after that, but it was before Malik ended up going to Portland after Holcomb didn't have him arrested and instead gave him a VIP meet and greet at the governor's uh, mansion. And then, of course, Malik went to Portland and is now spending, I believe, 10 years in jail related to attempting to kill police officers. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of cops almost got killed because Holcomb didn't have this guy arrested. But it's interesting that Holcomb is prioritizing law enforcement while letting a guy who's in jail for 10 years for attempting to kill cops write the police reform bill, or part of the police reform bill that tells cops what to do. I don't know, Casey. Look, I loathe Eric Holcomb, but can you, you're a fair, honest broker. Can you help me square how you can pretend to care about law enforcement when you let Malik Muhammad write part of your police reform bill? Right. So now, do you, is this guilt now? He's trying to get them more money? 
Sorry you can't do your job because we let a domestic terrorist tell you how to do it. Here's a pile of cash. Right, I did you dirty, so let me give you some more money. Uh, Huffer also said that they want to continue to make unprecedented investments in our classroom. More money, more money to the teachers. Okay, so this would be the question to the Indiana General Assembly, and of course, if you ask them, they're going to look at you and go, because they don't know, because they don't care. What happened to the billion dollars at the end of the last budget session when the federal government backed up pallets of, air quote, COVID cash, Mm -hmm. and you threw a billion of it, a billion extra in addition to what you already had in the budget, at the public education system with no strings attached? What happened to that money? What result did we get for that money? And why is it that no matter how much money we throw at the problem, they always need more money? Why is it that the Indiana Republicans don't ever seem to understand that it's not a resources problem, it's an allocation and accountability of resources problem? And you know what? We we didn't get to it yesterday, but we have that public school attendance is dropping. Yes. People are taking their, stu- their children out of public school. Yes. It's a bad product. Yes. But Parents don't want it anymore. But it's no. But when you are not held to accountability from the standpoint of the money is taken by force, which is what government does, people are not willfully giving their money to the government. It's taken under threat of force, i.e. property taxes. You don't pay, you lose your home. There's no accountability. What are you going to do? You can't opt out of the government. You can't not pay the government. Now, you can do certain things, I suppose, to avoid paying certain taxes, like, you know, that tax that Mitch Daniels enacted when he was governor that gives billionaire trust fund kid Jim Irsay a free stadium. Um, <laughs> you, you could not eat out, which I guess you could avoid and pay the, paying the food and beverage tax. But what are you going to do? You have, unless you're going to live in a soup kitchen. You have to live somewhere, and whether you're a renter, you pay property taxes. Whether you're, you know, a homeowner, you pay property taxes. There's nothing on here. There's, there's just never anything for the people, right? It's always for little carved out special interest groups. I saw once again they're trying to do t- uh, tax cuts related to specifically to military people. Well, God bless our military people, but in terms of tax cuts. Military, just like teacher, is not better than me. We all contribute into this soup together. I'm a taxpayer. You're a taxpayer. Parker's a taxpayer. Kevin's a taxpayer. We all go to work. We all deserve the same break. And yet, this is when we talk about the legalized vote buying stuff. They just carve people out and go, hey, you're a teacher. Hey, we'll give you this break. Hey, you're a military person. We'll give you this break. Hey, you're a police officer. We give you this break. It. Th- those people are incredible people, and God bless them for their willingness to do stuff. But we're all created equal, and we all contribute to the economy equally, and that's what taxation is, is it, ta- it ta- is taking away our ability to contribute to the economy. Why aren't there things that help everyone? Because they don't want to help everyone, because helping everyone doesn't help you legally buy votes. Okay, now I did come across this, and I'm sure that, uh, what's his name, Jim Lucas would love to- Who? Yeah, that, that guy who likes to oh, tag the, you. Oh yeah, the guy that like a Sunday at like noon on a, on a nice Sunday is- He likes to tag you in Facebook messaging, and- Yeah, yeah. Messages to me, yes. So I'm surprised Facebook. that he hasn't quote tweeted this to you yet oh. uh, because I did see this in an article in the Indiana Capital Chronicle. Uh-huh. It says House Speaker Todd Houston uh-huh. has repeatedly pushed property tax relief as a legislative priority. Oh, what's and the plan? He, he told reporters that Hoosiers are going to want it. Okay, what's the plan? 
Well, that's where the sentence ends. Oh, so there is no plan. It's something he knows it. He, he's aware he, of he, it. You know what? Everybody would also like a million dollars handed them. Yeah, that's the statement he made, right? Mm-hmm. The Hoosiers are going to want it. You know yeah. what? Hoosiers are also going to want a million dollars. Does Todd Houston have a plan to hand everyone a million dollars? No. Because we've already talked about this and why they're not going to help you, because they would then be boxed in on the perpetual, never-ending revenue grab. Mm-hmm. And we have all seen, based on the uh, mandates, uh, you know, through the public health program, et cetera, that the the Indiana Republican Party is wholly invested in un in in never-ending government mandates. Well, property taxes, even though they fund local governments, are now a part of that equation because we have seen that the Republicans are totally petrified of the teachers' union and the angry red-shirted teachers coming to the state capitol to say something mean to them. So they are not dare going to mess with any money that might go to schools. And in most communities, 50% or more of your property taxes go to the schools. It's lip service. There is no plan. And whatever plan they come up with will help as few people as possible so they can... It's like Biden going to the border. They're going to try to help as few people as possible and mm-hmm. go, we pass property tax reform. Form. Just like Biden can say, I went to the border. Right. It's a picture op, photo op. 956, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning.